When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and you're listening to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast where I share simple and scientifically tested tips and strategies to help you clean up your mind and life and to help me. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the different types of grief. From the most obvious, like death of a loved one or a pet or something like that, to the less obvious forms of grief, like lost time or opportunities, or getting irritated with someone and, and losing that grieving over that moment. These are different types of grief, and I'm going to help you to neurocycle, do a neurocycle for the loss of a loved one type grief, and also for the loss of the more minor ones, but that are definitely losses. You know, we often unknowingly gloss over the more minor ones. We honestly do. And because you don't, we don't recognize that, the, that maybe that that was a moment of loss, that we go through something and we don't actually recognize it was a moment of loss. We don't identify it and allow ourselves to grieve over that. And we can then get into a mental mess and we can start feeling shame or guilt or embarrassment or hopelessness. We might start projecting onto someone and getting angry and aggressive. We might experience mental fog, all kinds of stuff. So we need to know how to manage grief, whether it's the big stuff as well as the little stuff, because the little stuff can really interfere with our day-to-day functioning. And I experienced that today, so I'm going to share that with you and how to manage this in a moment. But before we start, last thing I promise, I'm sure you know by now about my new book coming out this year, March 2nd, called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Here it is in my bookshop. I'm so excited about this book. If you haven't already pre-ordered your copy, stop what you're doing right now, unless you're driving. Okay, then I recommend pulling over to the side first and go to cleaningupyourmentalmess.com and order your copy so you don't miss out on the amazing pre-order bonuses. We have a downloadable workbook and exclusive bonus chapters like, for example, how to apply neurocycling to children, access to an exclusive book club with me where I'll be helping you to neurocycle and really manage your mind and improve your brain and your immune system and all these great things. So just go to cleaningupyourmentalmess.com or wherever you order your books. International buying options are also available on this website. So now let's get on to today's episode. Okay, grief is unavoidable in life. If you see me glancing away to the screen, just to make sure that I'm covering all the points because there's so much I want to share with you today and I want to make sure I make it clear and easy so that you can apply this in your life. Okay, so let me say that again. Grief is unavoidable in life and is something we actually never get over. So if someone's told you, oh, time will heal, you actually don't ever heal from grief. What you do is you learn to manage it because it's a life experience. It's a memory that's built into your brain, into your mind, and into your body. 
how often have I told you that that memories are part of thoughts? So thoughts are trees, and like a tree is made of branches, thoughts are made of memories. And when you go through grief, loss of a loved one, or whatever it may be, I'm going to give you some other examples of other types of grief in a moment, that is a thought tree of a specific type of grief. And we never actually get over it, because you don't want to ever forget your loved one, but you want to learn how to manage that you can have the ability to just move through in life. Or if you're grieving over a mistake or something, you want to learn from that. So you never just suppress it or push it away, but you learn to manage it. So that's the first concept I want to to, to say, because a lot of times when people do lose a loved one, the, the standard comment is time will heal all wounds. Time doesn't heal, time changes, time teaches you how to manage it. Okay, so when we know how to move through grief, we can better manage the sadness and achieve a level of healing that makes it tolerable, whether we're at home or work or whatever, being a parent, being whatever it is that you do in life or the multiple roles that we have in life. We also need to recognize, as I've already said a few times, that grief is not limited to death. It can be related to the loss of anything. So when we talk about grief, we are grieving loss. It could be the loss of a loved one, as we've already said, the most obvious, a pet, a time in your life, a friend, time lost from trauma. You know, maybe you've experienced trauma as a child and you're only becoming aware of that now. And you feel like all those years in between when you weren't functioning like you should have been functioning because of the pervasiveness of trauma, maybe grieving those that lost time. And if we don't manage that grief, if we don't know how to move through the grief, we can get stuck in the grieving process like on a hamster wheel and stay stuck in the in grief instead of taking the grief and moving through the grief and using the grief to move forward. So grief is always going to be with us, but we manage grief is a grief where we actually are learning to live and make it tolerable and learn from it and make it work for us and reconceptualize it and see it from a different perspective and learn how to focus on the good times, all those kinds of things versus just staying in grief where you can't move on where you're completely stuck so we've got to keep living so we've got to learn how to live with that grief so the first neurocycle that I'm going to do with you is going to be kind of linked to the the most basic or the simple form of of grieving like a minor loss so grieving a minor loss so for example like something like you 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 snap at someone and you had a great opportunity to maybe be nice to them but you lost that time by being grumpy in that moment and being snappy and then you may think to yourself oh my gosh that was such a, I could have done this and this and this and you found yourself getting stuck and grieving but not even realizing that that's grief that you've actually lost the opportunity to have been nice to that person when you know they needed it but you ended up snapping at them and you've lost that time and and you start grieving that now if you stay grieving in the wrong way you'll feel like it's hopeless you'll feel like I can never fix that that it's never going to be it's always going to be a damaging part of our relationship But if you grieve it in the correct way, you will acknowledge the grief. You'll allow yourself to grieve for losing that opportunity in that moment. But you'll move forward with, okay, what am I going to do about this? And how am I going to manage this? How am I going to fix this in the future? What am I going to learn from this? Okay, so I had an experience like this just today. And it was related to work. And it was related to a creative experience. And like all of us, we all busy. I'm not be all busy. I'm not saying I'm more busy than what you are. But I have this thing that I set myself these these sort of goals that I'm going to get through this, this, and this. Because I've got so much to get through and because I'm managing so many projects, I think to myself, okay, well, let me take the slightly easier projects and see if I can get a whole lot of those projects done so that I can free myself up for the the 
the longer amount of time I need for another project. So that was my thinking when I woke up this morning and I had a gap of time. And in that time, I had planned to work on doing these smaller projects. And it was basically writing up a lot of podcasts. And I've got all these fantastic ideas of things I want to share for you. And I but I had sat down and prepared, was like had planned to write up three or four podcasts and to try and get them recorded and done and organized and everything. So I sat down and started working on them. Now, this may sound so silly, but this is what happened to me. I sat down and worked on them, and I worked on one, and I actually spent quite long on this one. I got really stuck in it, and, and I thought, you know, I've done something similar, so what's the unique angle? And I was getting really creative, and then I was getting frustrated, and I spent a long time, and I wrote a long thing, and I thought at the end of the day, okay, this is pretty good. I think this will work. And then I sat with my producer, and I presented it to them, and my producer said, uh, that's boring. And the minute that they said that, and they were right. I mean, they said a few other words too. It's boring. It's we've done that before. The angle's not unique. What is your unique angle? And I was backing to explain it. And I realized at that moment, I felt my whole body tense up and I realized I was in a state of grieving. I started grieving. And what was I grieving? Lost time. So what did I do? As I presented it, and as the producer, I could see that they weren't, this, my producer was not enjoying what I was saying. I started stumbling over my words and I wasn't able to explain it well. So I started getting very frustrated with myself and I started almost also getting a little bit frustrated with my producer who happens to be my daughter. So I was actually getting, you know, so much easier with your family to get irritated. And I realized that I was projecting my frustration of what? Of the time that I had lost. And then I decided to do a neurocycle. And I mean, I know neurocycling is, is the most amazing process where you can gather your mind to get your mind under control. It's scientific. As you do it, you calm down the neurochemicals in your brain. You change the neuroplasticity. You clear up the mental fog in your brain. You get flexibility in your front of your brain. You move away from impulsivity and frustration, etc. And you actually start seeing clarity. You start, it's like a windscreen wiper that's suddenly cleaning the window and you can suddenly see. And as I'm sitting there getting frustrated, my producer turned around to me and said, you know, why don't you just take a few moments and do a neurocycle about why you're frustrated at the moment about this? And then we will carry on talking about the creative side of the podcast and what we should, how we should change it and fix it. So I did. I decided to take her advice and my own advice. I mean, I'm the one who's spent 38 years researching the brain science behind the neurocycle and I use it all the time. So once again, I fell into the habit of using the neurocycle and boy, did it help me. And that's why I actually changed the podcast completely and decided to do this podcast because it helped me. And I know that some of you out there have experienced this kind of thing as well and maybe didn't even recognize it for what it was. Okay, so I had planned to get something done. I had this goal. I spent the time writing it up. I didn't even finish my goals. So my my first thing was that I was grieving the fact that I had planned to write five, four or five podcasts in that time. And I've got so much going on at the moment that I needed to get five done or four done in order to be able to get the other projects done. But I only wrote one, not four. And the one I wrote wasn't good. So the first thing I had to do was in the neurocycle, the first step is I had to gather awareness of my emotional warning signals and of my physical warning signals. So I gathered awareness of my emotional warning signals first. I could hear I was getting my voice was rising. I was feeling very frustrated. I was actually feeling ashamed because I didn't present good information. I was feeling embarrassed. I was feeling guilty. I was feeling anxious about the time lost. I was grieving. 
So I gathered awareness of those emotions. I then gathered awareness of how my body was feeling. And I really felt my heart palpitating. My whole body had tensed up, my entire body. And I actually had this almost like mental fog. Like I just couldn't think for a moment. I was just staring at my computer, trying to type something. And I wasn't even, I was reading the sentence and trying to type something. And it was, I was completely blocked. So I was kind of in a freeze moment. So I recognized that. I gathered awareness of that. As I gathered awareness of that, I just started breathing in and out rhythmically and being aware of my breathing as I was becoming aware of that feeling. I then did, did a 10 second pause, which is where I breathed in for three counts. And then I breathed out for seven counts. As I did it again, I said to myself, okay, think, feel. As I breathed in, so I added the words think, feel. And then as I breathed out for seven, I added the word choose, choose. Now, when you breathe out longer than you breathe in, I've just done it again now, you get this burst of energy to the front of your brain, you almost get like a little high and that increases your decision-making capabilities because it balances the oxygen in the two front parts of the brain. So I did that. I gathered awareness. I did that breathing. I gathered awareness again and I really realized I am grieving. I gathered awareness of my grieving. I allowed myself to grieve. Did you ever wonder why two people can be exposed to the same viruses and yet only one gets sick? You might have guessed it has to do with immunity, and you'd be right. But where does immunity get its power from? The difference is usually that the person who stays well has stronger gut health. In fact, over 70% of your immunity is created in your gut. A healthy diet, proper exercise, vitamin C, zinc, and other minerals will help. But there's also something you can add to your morning routine that will completely transform your immunity and protect you, and it tastes amazing. The product I want to introduce you to is called Leaky Gut Guardian from BioOptimizers. And you might be thinking, do I even have a leaky gut? But studies show that nearly everyone has at least a mild form. And even if you don't, this product does more than just help with this one condition. Simply start your morning by adding one scoop of it to your favorite beverage like a coffee, smoothie, or even just a simple glass of water. It mixes well, tastes delicious, seriously, and you'll be feeding your gut with powerful prebiotics and probiotics. Power up your immunity today and try Leaky Gut Guardian risk-free by visiting biooptimizers.com forward slash Dr. Leaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 to receive 10% off any order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee. That's biooptimizers.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. Grieve what? Okay, so then I went to the next step. I reflected, why am I feeling shame, embarrassment? What am I grieving? Why am I grieving? So that's when I came to the conclusion that I had planned too much. I hadn't fulfilled what I had planned. I was frustrated about that. I was grieving that time lost. I was grieving that I hadn't achieved my goals. I was grieving that now this is going to affect the other project that has to be dealt with in the next 24 hours or 48 hours. I knew it was going to take long. Now I thought I'm going to have less time for that project. So I went through all this ask, answer, discuss with myself to work out what had happened. So the reflect step is why? Why do I feel this pressure? Why have I put myself under this pressure? If I planned to write four and I didn't write four and I only wrote one bad, wrote one bad one, what can I learn from that? I felt like I'd wasted time. I was grieving for the time that I had lost. As I reflected, I recognized that. I was grieving for the time that I lost. Then I wrote this down very quickly. Into, I've always got my neurocycle journal with me or I write it into my phone, one of the two. And then as I wrote it down, I just poured all these thoughts out like a jump. 
jumble of words like I'm saying now and then I rechecked. I went to step four. I rechecked. But as I wrote, I started feeling the sense of mental peace because as you write, and I always write in the form of a metacog, and a metacog is a way of organizing information that draws on the two sides of the brain and draws and really draws down deep into the non-conscious mind. So it really pulls out what's there. It takes you very, very deep. And I show you how to neurocycle in my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And I also have how to write in a metacog in my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So you need to pre-order it. And also in my app, my Switch app, which is soon going to be has soon going to have a name change to the Neurocycle app, but currently you can download it from the from iTunes and Google Google Play, and it's called the Switch. And in there, I teach you how to Neurocycle and I teach you how to Metacog. So whenever I write, I always write in a Metacog, which is a pattern form. You start in the middle and you work in branches, and so like thoughts look like trees in your brain. You write like a tree, and that helps you to put your brain on paper and helps you to really get deep and to really activate the deepest parts of your brain and the. Deep deepest parts of your unconscious mind. So I wrote it down, this big jumble, and then I looked back and I rechecked what I had written. And as I rechecked, I realized I really was grieving loss of time, grieving my embarrassment, recognizing that this was a pattern and that what had triggered me, because in your recheck, you look for patterns and triggers. What had triggered me was that I had set an unrealistic goal and that I really was couldn't deal in that moment with the fact that I had lost this valuable time. So then I looked at it differently and thought, but did I lose time? Now I know why I'm grieving, why I felt frustrated. So by the recheck step, I I now know why I was feeling like that. Why was I grieving that time? Why was I feeling so frustrated? Why did I feel it was a waste? And I looked at it differently and I reread what I had written and what I had discussed with my producer. And I thought, have I lost, have have I really lost time? Have I not just learned new information? Have I not learned a new way of saying something? Have I not just improved a skill? Have I not just become more creative? Did I not just do a great brain building exercise? So I started rechecking and reconstructing and reconceptualizing the whole situation. And suddenly I felt a sense of peace. No longer was I embarrassed. No longer did I feel shame or guilt. No longer did I need to be defensive or anything like that or try and justify what I had done. I recognized that I had tried, I had learned information, I had put a thought together that could be very useful at some point or elements of that I could use. It was a great exercise that I was going through and it had given me, so in other words, the fourth step, the the recheck gave me a sense of peace. So I learned I was no longer grieving. So I had got by by the recheck step, I had got through the grief. Then I went to the fifth step, which is the active reach where I have my active reach now is that next time I recognize that there's a pattern that I want to try and get a certain amount of stuff done in a certain amount of time and that if I don't I tend to grieve lost time or waste what I perceive as wasted time. So when I feel that, I'm going to catch myself and I'm going to acknowledge that it wasn't a waste of time, that I have learned something from this, that it was a valuable exercise to just write down your thoughts, to explore creativity is a valuable exercise. And from that exercise, I can get more skilled in what to do and what not to do, what to write and what not to write. So I increased my skill level. So my active reach was to tell myself that. And I shortened that into a simple statement. Acknowledge that I was grieving. I acknowledge that time was that I had used time, but the time was not lost. The time was a valuable lesson. So there is the five steps of the neurocycle that's in this book 
that and I, and what I've just said now about how to use this in terms of grieving lost time, which is still a form of grief, but it's not obviously like grieving a, a, loved, a loved one, but it's a form of grief that we can experience. I was grieving for lost time and I've now feel so much more peace than I did just a couple of hours ago when this happened because I've now managed this. I've now reconceptualized this. I've rewired and reordered my brain and built a new thought that's a nice healthy thought into the brain. My toxic thought of, oh, I've lost time and that's terrible and it's shameful and embarrassing and I wasn't didn't do great work into, oh, I learned. I've actually didn't lose time. I acknowledge that I'm grieving lost time, but actually it wasn't lost time. I've reconceptualized it into I learned new information. I had an opportunity to practice my writing skills and my creativity skills. And so that's what I will hang on to. So the next time, and there will be a next time, where I'll plan to do too much and I'll feel like I've lost time because this is a pattern in my life. It's definitely a pattern and it's definitely triggered when I have got feeling when I'm feeling a lot of pressure and I feel like I'm falling behind with certain projects. But now recognize it and 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 turn that around and grab hold of it. Now let's talk about grief in terms of losing a loved one. So let's go to the deeper stuff now. When we talk about grieving. Any, any kind of grief, even the grief that I've just spoken about, the sort of more minor grief like lost time or lost opportunity or something like that. When we're grieving a loved one as well, we have been told a lot about there's a distinct stage of grief that we go through. So there's this five-stage pattern that we go through. But there's a lot of research saying showing that that's not actually the case, that it's actually not necessarily that you're going to go through one and then this one and then that one's finished and you go through this one, but that actually grief is very unpredictable. The pattern, there's no real pattern to grief. It's also very unique to each person. It's unpredictable. It's difficult to deal with. It can impinge on our basic ability to do the most basic of tasks. So if I come back to how grief nearly paralyzed me for 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 my afternoon of, of work, if I hadn't got it under control, when I thought of, I, when I felt I had lost time, let's now go to if you have lost a loved one, grief is so unpredictable. And if it's not managed, you can, it can literally paralyze you. And there will be times as you're going through the loss of a loved one that you that you actually need to be in a state where you almost feel a little bit paralyzed for a period of time and then you allow yourself to move forward. The whole key thing with experiencing and managing grief or any emotion, but we're talking specifically today about grief, is to allow yourself to experience it, but always take yourself forward. So don't deny yourself the experience of grief or sadness or frustration or being paralyzed in that moment, but recognize it for what it is with the goal of I'm going to somehow move forward through it. And that's what the neurocycle will help you do. Let's just talk about the the five stages that we, that tend to be linked to grief. And based, so based on my research and my time in private practice and my own experience, I've noticed that grief tends to cycle between, not necessarily in order. So the standard thing has been that the grief, the stages of grief are first denial, then people go from denial to anger, and then from anger to guilt, and then guilt to bargaining, bargaining to sadness, and then finally to acceptance, and then it's kind of done. But that's not what actually is the general experience of people and what research actually shows when you look into it, there's no distinct order. You may experience acceptance and then denial and then bargaining and then guilt and then anger and then sadness and then acceptance again and then denial again. And so it's more like the circular thing that goes up and down and, and it's so unique for each person and it's so unique for where you are and how you're managing and everything, your life and what else is going on in your life and what you have to manage and who you are. In other words, all the context of your narrative. So what I wanted to do with this particular part of this podcast is for those of you that are battling with grief from loss of a loved one, I want you not to feel on top of the grief. I don't want you to think to be pushed into a corner and feel guilt about why am I now feeling denial again or why am I 
was fine for a few weeks or a few days and now I'm finding myself bargaining or I'm finding myself into deep sadness. Remember that this is not necessarily a, a nice, neat little, you will go through denial and then you'll go through anger. And, no, as I said, this is all over the place. It's it's difficult. It will be up and down. It will be backwards and forwards. And, and over time, these up and down moments will eventually start becoming more manageable. And even down the line, you may find yourself six months down the line going through this, this cycle again. And, and you know, you, you've gone through acceptance, but going right back to guilt and anger and so on. So in other words, I want you to feel free to experience those. As soon as you experience those, I want you to embrace them, process them and reconceptualize them through using the neurocycle so that you can honor what you're feeling but also move forward. Honoring leads to moving forward and honoring is embracing, processing and reconceptualizing. But if we try and suppress or deny through guilt and shame or I should have been better by now or why aren't I better by now or someone might even say to you, hey, it's been six months, pull yourself together. People sometimes think they're helping you, but that's the worst, one of the worst things that they can say to you. But if you're in that state, I want you to honor yourself by saying, okay, I'm, it's okay. I, it's okay if I feel this now. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to process it. I press processes. I'm going to reconceptualize it. I'm going to do that neuroscience. I'm going to go re-cleaning up your mental mess again. I'm going to listen to this podcast again. I'm going to allow myself to experience this and move forward. See, when it comes to the loss of someone you care for, it's really challenging. I don't have to tell you that. In a relationship, listen listen to what happens. When you're in a relationship with, with a loved one, so it could be a parent, a husband, a wife, a child, a father, an aunt, an uncle, you literally wire the other person into your brain. And every encounter, and if you, it's your spouse or your child or something, your mom or your dad, you, you seeing them all the time, there's constant connection. So, and each of those encounters, connections adds more to the neural network. So you married, you have a spouse. Every day you're seeing them, every encounter, every conversation is growing more branches onto this thought. Here is your relationship with your spouse. And these are all the elements of your relationship with your spouse. And, and this is wired into your brain. It's wired into your DNA of every cell of your body. It's wired into the, the networks of the gravitational fields of your mind. This is real. So when that person dies, these are still there. And they're calling, but when the person's alive, there's a satisfaction because this bounces to that person and bounces back. So you wire, you, you, this, these are getting fed by the other person's responses and, and the interac interactions. But now someone's died. So that one is gone. And now there's only this one left. There's only yours left. And now that doesn't have the satisfaction of being balanced by the other person's network in their brain of, of their, of their version of the relationship with you. That's now gone. So this is left open ended and it's painful and hanging and it kind of has to be like a wound has to be a cauterized sometimes or like a bleeding nose has to be cauterized this almost has to go through a process of being cauterized so that it can be captured and and remembered but that process of cauterizing is very difficult so when you lose the person the mind has to adjust and adapt the brain literally has to go through a process of rewiring so while recovering from any kind of loss takes time, and the process is different for everyone, as I keep on saying, it does take cycles of 63 days to achieve any kind of readjustment. So here's a, a little bit of good news for you, for those that are grieving. That other connected memory's gone away, sure. In fact, I'm going to grab another plant very quickly. Here it is. So here's you and your relationship. There's the two that's in your head, that's in your spouse's head or your mother's head or whoever. Now they one of them dies. So that goes away and this is left here. So there's a reordering that takes place. And this reordering, this cauterizing, this adjusting to not having this response takes cycles of 63 days. So what you can do by using the neurocycle that I talk about in cleaning up your mental mess, you can go through a, five, a 15 to 45 minute process 
space daily where you can work through neurocycling to help you to adjust. So whether you are the one suffering from grief or you try and trying to manage life and work or whether you know someone who's suffering from grief, providing the space to embrace, process and reconceptualize the grief is really important. So To do this, as I've just said, I recommend doing a neuropsych, which is the scientific mind management process that I've developed and researched over the past three decades. The stuff I teach is heavy, hardcore, scientific mind stuff based on the science of thought, based on the mind-brain connection, simplified into five steps that when you use them, you will learn to manage your mind, to rewire your brain, heal the DNA and the physical state of your body, even down to you know blood, DNA, etc., and also help you manage your mind and direct the neuroplasticity of your brain. So that's what what the the neurocycle will do. So neurocycle is profound. You know, if you think of it, we can go three weeks without food, we can go three days without water, we can go three minutes without oxygen, but we cannot even go three seconds without using our mind. So in a state of grief, your mind never stops. So you 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 grieving you you thinking of that person. As I said, there's this calling out to this and it's not getting a response. So your mind's always going. So we need to learn to manage this. Otherwise, this can become very toxic and completely crowd out how we function. Is one of your 2021 New Year's resolutions to read more? Well, I've got an amazing hack to help you achieve your goal 10 times over. It's an app called Blinkist, and it's one of my favorite apps ever. Why? Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break or while you exercise. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers list, as well as the classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Blinkist.com slash DrLeaf to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash DrLeaf. So I'm now going to walk you through a neurocycle to help you deal with the loss of a loved one and the grief with the loss of a loved one. And as I said, you can get more. This is just an example. You can get more of this in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. I recommend you pre-order this book. It's available now with all those wonderful benefits at book clubs and everything to help you to really get the best out of this book. You can also download my app, Switch, as I've mentioned. We'll put both of these in the show notes. But let's do this neurocycle together. So like I did earlier on for the loss of time that I was grieving, which was a minor thing compared to losing a person, but it was blocking my creativity for the rest of the day. I went through five steps. I gathered, I reflected, I wrote, I rechecked, and I re-te- did reteaching. Those are the five simple steps that are based on profound science. We're going to use those same five steps. Those five steps are what I'm talking about here. Cleaning up your mental mess, five simple scientifically proven steps to reduce anxiety, stress, and toxic thinking. I'm going to give you those now. Now, what I've shown in my research is that when you use these five steps, you are using your deep inner wisdom, spiritual, deep part of you, that that deep neuro, that non-conscious deep spiritual part of you, connecting with that, that wisdom part of you, and you pulling on that to then 
fix, to, to help you manage the trauma of grief and help you in your mind and help you change it in your brain, help you to reorder it in your brain and rewire it in your brain. So you're directing your neuroplasticity and it works in cycles of 63 days because that's the amount of time that it takes for you to, to, to start to get this reordering happening. Now, it doesn't mean that in 63 days, which is nine weeks, you're going to be over your grief. Not at all. I said in the beginning, we never really get over grief, but we learn to manage it. But with each 63-day neurocycle, it will become a little bit easier for you and tolerable to find that mental peace in your mind that you can carry on. So you may do 63-day cycles for a whole year just on dealing with the grief, but you what I'm giving you is an, a, a time frame that you can draw on your inner wisdom to help you with the terrible pain of grief. And you do these five steps over the 63 days in a specific way. You do for 21 days, you do the full five steps. And then for the last 42 days, you just do one step. You just do the last step, the active reach. And as I said, you can do as many of these neurocycles as, as you want to, to help you to manage. And then you might do a couple and then move on and work on something else and find that you need to come back and do a neurocycle again. So and as you practice doing the daily neurocycle for something like dealing with grief, that then translates and helps you use it quickly like I had to use today to get myself back on track so I could continue working. Okay, so first step is, let's get into the grief neurocycle now. The first step is to gather, okay? So right now, let's just, let's just assume if you are feeling grief, I'm going to walk you through as though you were sitting with me and I was giving you therapy and we were working through this together. And by the way, this is how I do it in my app and this is how I do it in this book. So if you want help with manage your mind with anything, the neurocycle is the answer. Neurocycling is how you're going to get your mind under control to change your brain and you can get it in this book pre-order now. That'll really help you. Okay, so step one, gather. Right now, you are probably feeling overwhelmed with sadness. I just want you to sit with this and allow yourself to be sad. Allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to scream. Allow the emotions to go through you. What are you feeling physically? These are the physical warning signals. Where are you feeling it in your body? What are you feeling emotionally? These are the emotional warning signals. Just take a note of your emotions and allow them to be for a few moments. Before we move on to the next step, I want you to do some deep box breathing to help calm your mind and your body. You breathe in for four counts, hold for four counts, exhale for four counts, and breathe in for four counts. And then you carry on. You can do this as many times as you need. I recommend at least three times to calm your mind. Okay, so let's breathe in for four, in two, three, four, hold two, three, four, out two, three, four, in two, three, four. And so you go as many rounds as you need. You can also directly move from there into the 10 second pause. If you're really feeling totally overwhelmed by the emotions, and that's what I did earlier on, which is breathe in for three and out for seven. In for three, out for seven. As you're breathing in for three, you can say think, feel. So you add a cognitive component. And as you breathe out, you can say choose. Why think, feel, choose? Because that's the mind in action. Mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing. You're always thinking, feeling, and choosing. So thinking, feeling, choosing equals mind. And as you do that 10-second pause, saying those words, you consciously kind of controlling your mind and increasing oxygen to the front of your brain to help control the neurochemical chaos and help you to think with a bit more clarity so the next moment can be tolerable. From gathering awareness, we move to step two, which is the reflect step. Now I want you to reflect on your grief and loss. I want you to focus 
on the person, the place, the thing that has been lost. Acknowledge the pain. Give yourself permission to do so. Ask yourself questions like, Why are you sad about this loss? Any and every answer is important. Be as specific as you can. If you have tried suppressing your grief, why? How did you feel when you tried avoiding the pain? How do you feel now that you're embracing the pain? What would you say to someone if they were the ones experiencing the loss instead of you? How have you dealt with loss and grief and sadness in the past? Now for a few moments, just try to balance this by remembering the good times with this person. Remember the happy times. So you kind of end the step by pulling on some of the good times, the happy times. Then move to step three. In this step, you write down the answers to your reflections into a neurocycle journal, on paper, your phone, wherever. This will help you organize your thoughts and emotions and process your pain. Really good idea to track your pain of the grief over time because it will help you and you can see your progress. It also helps, it allows a free flow of information through the brain and it actually allows the energy in the brain, the electromagnetic and genetic and quantum energy in the brain to flow in a, in a more coherent way, which can help you heal quicker can help you get to, or heal quick is the wrong word, help you get to a point where you can tolerate and have more mental peace around the grief. Then you go to step four. Step four is the recheck. Now spend a few moments just rechecking and re-reflecting on what you answered and wrote down. How are you feeling now as you are processing and embracing the sadness and grief? Do you feel sadder? Do you feel guilty for feeling sad? If so, why? Are you embarrassed by your sadness? If so, why? Can you give yourself permission to grieve? Can you give yourself the time you need and the process you need to grieve? And then you move to step five, active reach. For this step, here's some ideas. Talk to someone about your feelings and what you wrote down. Let them know you're vulnerable and just need someone to listen. Don't try and do this grieving alone. There is no shame in sadness, loss, or grief. You can talk to a close confidant, a therapist, a loved one, find a support group. Just share. Try to build more fun into your day to help bring some joy back into your life. Maybe take a long hot bubble bath, bake your favorite dessert, watch your favorite happy movie. Allow yourself to have fun and don't feel guilty about that. So often when people have lost a loved one and they have moments of happiness, they feel, they feel guilty. But you need that. You need that for your brain to become resilient, for you to cope. And your loved one would want you to have moments of fun. And you'll be stronger then when you, that builds resilience and helps you to be stronger in the moments where you're really battling. So it kind of builds like a lattice, a lattice in your brain to help you in a proactive and preemptive way. So it may feel very unnatural at first, like you, you're somehow betraying the loss, but this is not true. Your loved one really would want you to find joy again. And your brain needs this. You need this. Another act to reach is be patient with yourself through this healing process. Don't compare your healing and processing journey and timeline to someone else. That's a really big act of reach. Don't think, okay, well, they got over it in six months. I should. Why am I still battling a year later? 
or I've got over it in three weeks and I'm moving forward. It doesn't mean you don't love someone. It just means that that's who you are and that's how you've processed. Be gentle with yourself. Take naps, eat healthy, go for walks, get some sunshine, do some exercise. These things all build brain and body resilience. If your brain and body are feeling awful, it's really very hard for you to process into your mind because your mind uses your brain and your body. So if your brain and body are unhealthy, then it's very hard. You get set up this negative feedback loop between the mind and the brain. So do whatever you need to do to find a little bit of extra peace. Think in cycles, not lines, okay? Think in cycles, not lines. If you reach a point where you're feeling good only to feel bad again, it's not a sign that you have relapsed or regressed or gotten worse. It's how grief works. And it's actually a sign of forward movement. Whatever you're feeling is forward movement. Grief is a series of loops. You can circle back to where you were time, some time ago and still be moving forward. I mentioned this in the beginning as well. Remember. It won't feel like this forever. There is no getting over the loss of a loved one, but you can find ways to incorporate the loss into your life as you move forward. Grief is a natural response to loving someone. Though we all have past experiences that may influence how we see ourselves, grief provides an opportunity for us to reflect on what matters most to us. Grief really does provide that opportunity to see what matters most to us. A friend of mine lost a loved one recently, a few months back, and has just said something to me recently that that relates to that last point. And that's that she's going to remake herself. She's going to reconceptualize and see herself. And and, and as, as much as she doesn't want to, she would obviously rather have her husband there still. But she's going to reconceptualize herself and reconceptualize her life and move forward because she knows that this is a chance for her to see herself in another way and see herself in another light. And that's just a very positive way of looking at things. It doesn't mean that she's betraying her love to her husband or that she's doing something odd. It's her, it's a, it's a beautiful, brilliant way of understanding that the pain will always be with you. But in rebuilding yourself, you're taking that pain and you're moving forward. You're taking the joy of that relationship and moving forward. Well, I hope this has helped you today. We've done as a, a two neurocycles for dealing with grief, one for more minor grief, like a loss of time, where we don't often even recognize that as, as, as grief, but we need to allow ourselves to grieve for lost time, lost opportunity, lost moments, that kind of thing, as well as the big, big stuff, like a neurocycle to help with the loss of a loved one and grieving the loss of a loved one. Now, these five steps that I've just done for neurocycling, the, five, the neurocycle for grieving the loss of a loved one, you would work on that daily. You don't just do it once. You don't just do it like now and that's it. What I've just done to explain to you now, you would do daily, as I mentioned earlier on, over 21 days. And then from day 20, from day 22 to 63, you would then just practice step five. And I explain this in depth in my book cleaning up your mental mess so pre-order and i look forward to seeing you next time thank you so much for joining me today i hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful if you want more tips and help with managing anxiety depression and mental health be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. 
So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.